with low self-esteem? And if so, how did you overcome it? I did, and actually the younger part of my life was in um, growing up in Boston. So I, we all started out here in Alabama, and I think I started fourth grade up in Massachusetts. So right there, kind of right off the bat, that put me at sort of a disadvantage socially because I was the kind of the new kid on the block. And I remember um, that first day of school and introducing myself and people asking where I was from, and I told them, you know, I was from Tuscaloosa. Well, that was a joke in of itself. Um, Just the name Tuscaloosa was kind of foreign to um, them. And so, again, that kind of made me uh, a little different. And so just being in a new environment, I think, kind of was the start of it. Well, of course, as you make friends and learn people, those, you know, kinds of things, when you're in school, you always have the group that's considered popular. Um, the ones that, you know, everybody kind of hangs around. And so if you're that individual that's kind of on the outside of that circle, there is um, a bit of, um, I guess, a hindrance or um, kind of a a black mark against your self-esteem because you don't fit in. And I think that's where a lot of the girls fall is, you know, they want to be the ones that are socially accepted um, as well. And so if they don't have a group that they, you know, migrate, then that starts, I think, different types of behavior in order to um, in order to fit in. So just like any, you know, young child would or any teen, you know, I did what I thought I needed to do to fit in. Some of it was good. Some of it probably wasn't too good. But one thought I had, um, I remember growing up, you know, and like every girl does, you play dress-up, so you put on the shoes, you put on the things, pretending like you're somebody else. And I remember taking a towel and draping it over my head to give me long, flowing hair. You know, well, I'm African-American, you know, most of us aren't born with long, flowing hair. So that thought kind of came back to me as I was putting together the book, and it's like, wow, you know, this thing really starts early. So here you have it kind of at school trying to fit in, and like you said, then you watch TV, go to movies or whatever, and you see the women or the girls that are celebrated. So all of a sudden that becomes kind of the target. Well, if I do what I need to do to look like or act like that particular person, then maybe, you know, I'll fit in. Well, of course, we find out later as we get older, you know, that doesn't work. (laughs) And so we learn, you know, over time, I think, um, that, you know, we're individuals. There's no way that we can be just like somebody else. So with time, you learn that, okay, I've got to, you know, capitalize on what I consider my strengths and kind of, you know, go from there. So um, it is, it's a journey. And I think it's it's real life for everybody. Everybody may not want to talk about it, but it's, I think, an issue that's there. Now, was there anybody along the way that helped you come up with that realization, or was it just wisdom over the years? I think wisdom over the years. I did have family members that would encourage me, um, you know, in kind of in that area. They would tell me, you know, that they thought I was beautiful. But even with them saying it, it's something that you have to believe within yourself. That's and right. I think that's where my faith came into being. Um, attending church and, you know, different Bible studies. And, again, over the years, just kind of getting that revelation of the Bible and what God says about us, I think that finally was the the turning point to say, okay, you know, I'm created just like everybody else. God created me. 
and you know he said what he made was good um right. and so I think finally coming to that that realization is like okay i don't I don't have to be like you know anybody else, you know one thing that um because like you said, those images or what have you typically they'll point to something where you may be lacking or consider yourself lacking. And I always remember I have thin legs, and so that was kind of the thing that, you know, kept me at bay. It's like, ooh, I can't wear skirts, you know, because I've got skinny legs or what have you, and all my friends considered big legs. So, you know, there was something that would always kind of bother me. But later on it was like, hey, you know, my legs work. You know, I can walk, I can run, I can jump. You know, I can do all those things. So, And some people don't even have legs, so just to be grateful for what I have, I think that started to kind of, you know, turn my my perspective around. That's really good. I know when I was growing up, I dealt, I struggled with self-esteem myself, and I was always very tall. I was always towering over most of the kids in my class, (laughs) most of the guys in my class until I got into high school. And I was thin. I mean, I was just awkward. And, And I remember going through various phases in life, right, right. trying to be like somebody else and competing and comparing myself to others, not really understanding that I was all right, just the way that God created that, me, that right, I was right. not created to be ordinary. I was designed to be extraordinary. And right. so that's my desire is to help young people grasp that as a, at a very, very young age so they're not stuck. They're not yes. stuck because... Again, if they don't get it young, then they grow up. Exactly, harboring those same those same feelings. And I think that's probably the number one key there is don't compare yourself to anyone else. And I think that's that's kind of where it starts. And when you think about advertisement and um, the pictures you see in magazines, those aren't real. You know, if you kind of read and do some research, you hear about the Photoshopping, you know, where they um, – take out the, the blotches on the skin, you know, they elongate the neck or make the, uh, the legs longer, the arms longer or thinner. So the images that we're actually seeing aren't actual people. <laughs> I mean, they start with an actual person, but then they, you know, put the cosmetic, you know, sort of special effects on it, um, produce whatever they put in print. So even what we're seeing is not really real. So that's why I think we shouldn't try to compare ourselves because we, you know, when we look at those images, we really don't know what we're comparing ourselves to. I mean, it's, right. it's all an all an illusion. That's right. Smoke and mirrors, yes, ma'am. Yep. Now, what <laughs> what advice would you give to a young listener tonight who's struggling with her self esteem when she looks in the mirror? She doesn't see the beauty that God created. She doesn't see herself as unique and wonderful and, you know, creatively designed. But she she doesn't like the image that she's looking back at. What advice would you give to her? Um, And that would be the first advice I would give is, is to go to the mirror and just stand there and look, like you said. Okay, so if you're not happy with the image, what exactly about that image are you unhappy with? And, again, ask yourself, you know, are you comparing yourself with someone else? So if you look and you say, well, I don't like, you know, my nose is too big or, you know, um, you know, I have short hair or what have you, again, you've got to be comparing yourself to someone else. And so I think that's the key right there is to kind of self-discover what it is that you don't like uh, about yourself. I ran across an interesting scripture 
when I was putting the book together, and I would think that this, you know, for anybody that, you know, would believe in God, it's found in um, Isaiah, the 45th chapter, the 9th to the 11th verse. And I took the translation from the Living Bible um, translation, and it says, Woe to man who fights with his creator. It says, Does the pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with him? You know, does it say, you know, um, you know, stop, you're doing it wrong? Or does the pot exclaim, you know, how clumsy can you be? So basically, I mean, that scripture in essence is saying, you know, who are we to question, you know, what God has made? And when you go on to look at other scriptures um, where God says that, like in Genesis, he said then God saw everything that he had made, and uh, indeed it was very good. Um, in Psalms 139.14, it says that I have been, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made. So I would think that would be the starting point is to ask yourself what it is or why don't you like what you see. You know, and it could be because people have pointed it out. You know, friends can be cruel sometimes. And, you know, is it because, you know, another person called you ugly or another person said something about you? Well, those are, you know, just words. And we can talk more about words because they do have power. But I think the the thing to do is just to try to free yourself from, you know, those words that maybe have been spoken of you and then look, you know, truly at yourself to try to discover what it is that you don't like. That's right. And, that, and that's a good place to go in terms of uh, the words that we speak about ourselves because we can be our biggest critic. But I, I do agree with you that oftentimes a seed is planted, and it can be planted by somebody on the playground as a young child. It can be planted even by those closest to us. I mean, oftentimes family members can be some of the cruelest with the nicknames that they create in love and just, but they can create deep, deep scars. And right. so can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on the power of the words that we speak? Um, words do have power, and, you know, going back to the Bible again, when you think about God created the world through words. I mean, he spoke everything into being. And, you know, that that's a pretty deep revelation to think about it. I mean, everything that he said came to be. So our words are basically the same way. And like I said, it could be family members that are jokingly giving what they're thinking are loving nicknames, you know, and those kinds of things. But I think they need to understand um, how those words can affect people. And I think we need to give uh, our children a voice to speak up and say, hey, you know, I don't like the way that feels when you call me that, you know, particular name. Or that doesn't make me, you know, happy or doesn't make me feel good about myself. And then not, you know, judge them for that, but try to understand where they're coming from. And I think because, you know, I'm the child you know, you're the adult saying it, I respect you. And so there may be a little bit of fear or hesitancy there to say that, hey, you know, I don't like that. But we do need to, you know, um, kind of be mindful of what we say uh, about people because those have lasting effects. And while they may go on and seem okay, you know, we never know that um, could be, you know, they can be harboring that for years. And like you said, it starts young. And then now all of a sudden they turn into a teenager and then to an adult, and they're still carrying that baggage of oh what my aunt called me or what my you know grandmother called me. So 
we really need to be mindful um, of the words that we speak over each other. Now, what are you hoping uh, that readers, I know that you said that the book is, is written for for girls. Can you describe the ideal, I guess, reader of the book? And what about somebody who is confident and, and has a pretty good understanding, is pretty grounded, um, you know, in terms of their self-esteem? Can they benefit from the book as well? Um, I think so, and actually I was gathering just some feedback from people that had read it, just kind of asking people what they thought, and I did get that feedback from one particular uh, lady, and she is probably in her mid um, to, well, late 20s, early 30s probably, but she kind of said that same thing. She said, well, I typically haven't struggled in the area of self-esteem. She said, but when I read through it, it actually gave me, I guess, a more, a better appreciation of herself just through all the different characteristics. And she said it was some things that she just had really never even thought about that now, you know, she uses that to kind of, I guess, enhance what's already there. So I think any um, probably preteen, teenager, uh, young adult, and even women, I think, can benefit from it. And I even say in the book I would encourage men to read it as well because we don't think about it, I think oftentimes they fall prey to some of these same things that we deal with in society, and they may even unintentionally add to some of the frustration that women or, you know, girls are feeling. So I think it's good for men to just understand, kind of from a woman's perspective, some of the things that we deal with um, when we talk about, you know, self-esteem and negative body image, you know, and those kinds of things. But but it is more targeted toward the, the female. One thing I do talk about in the book that I don't think a lot of people realize, and that's in thinking about it from a spiritual perspective, you know, have you ever asked yourself, why are there so many books, you know, written to women and young girls about this issue? And um, I went in the bookstore one day and I looked, and I mean, just literally a whole section of self-help type books, inspiration and those kinds of things. And I thought, well, you know, why is that? And then when I thought about it, you know, it kind of came to me that, well, we're we're sort of in a battle here. <laughs> and when you, um, just like the Army, Navy, or what have you, has a strategic battle plan, basically they're coming up with a plan on how to target the enemy. And so when they do that, they try to get the enemy at the source. And so when you think about us as, you know, young girls and women, we're basically seen as the source by the enemy. And that's because, you know, I mean, we're basically the doorway into this earth. So any person that has ever been or or will ever be, you know, came through a woman. And so if the enemy can keep us bound, you know, keep us depressed, keep us focused on what we think we don't have, then all of a sudden now we're distracted and we can't really do or perform, you know, the gifts that have been put into us. And so it kind of... I guess, keeps things sort of stagnated, so to speak, because we're all, you know, focused on the wrong thing. And we can't truly be who we, you know, were created to be because we're, you know, bound by this. So it's just my hope for people to at least start asking the questions, start having those conversations, and hopefully start to try to correct some of the things that that are, you know, kind of in society right now. Um, I think it's just time to call attention to it, and try to make a change. That's good. Now, how can listeners purchase a copy of this book um, and also, I I guess, even read the blogs? Because I know that you have 
a lot of great blog posts uh, on your website. So how can they purchase a copy and how can they get with you online? Okay. If they'll go to www.realbeautyatoz.com, they can get uh, to the blog post from there. Um, And if you just click on the picture of the blog there, that will take you straight into it. There's a picture of the book on the website as well, and if you click on it, it will actually take you straight to the Amazon link uh, where it's being sold. So currently it is on Amazon. Um, they can order the paperback version or the e book version. Or if they just want to email me and um, have me send them a copy direct, they can do that uh, as well through the, the contact, contact page. Um, okay. I've also got a Facebook fan page where I try to put out some, you know, encouraging words kind of on a daily basis. So if you're a member of Facebook, you can uh, just search, search for me at realbeautyadoz.com. And I also have a Twitter handle, so which is the same thing. It's realbeautyadoz. Uh, so those are some of the ways that uh, people can get in touch with me. And I also understand that you do workshops and presentations for women and girls. I take I, it they can reach out to you if there's somebody listening who is looking for a speaker or a presenter for perhaps a conference or a school. They can contact you the same way. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there a phone number or an email address you'd like to give? Uh, I'll give the email address. It's Sharon at realbeautyatoz.com. All right, Ms. Sharon. Well, thank you so much for being a guest here on A Priceless Perspective, and thank you for allowing God to use your your gifts for his glory. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. This issue, we can't hear about it, learn about it, read about it enough. And um, so I do believe that the work that you've done in and through this book and your speaking opportunities, that you're going to be able to set young people and, and grown folks free. So God bless you in all that you do, and please keep us abreast of, of future books and, and future projects that you're doing in the community, okay? Okay, uh, and I thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. I think you as well are doing a great service to the community and to the young girls, so I'll be sure to spread the news about um, your organization as well. Thank you so much. God bless. All right, thank you. Join the conversation. Visit us online at pricelessperspective.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This show has been brought to you in part by Simon in the Wealth Youth Development Program Incorporated and Gem Makers LLC.